You are listening to a special episode of the Bondzilla Podcast. This week, we take a deep dive into everything James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to a another special deep dive episode of the Bondzilla podcast. I am Nick. I'm Will. And uh, we uh, this is a topic uh, today for our deep dive that it has been uh, kind of a long time coming. It's one of the more uh, interesting and sort of obvious topics to talk about when you are doing the Bond franchise, uh, especially a franchise that has such a specific theme and 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 a couple specific composers really related to it and some very big songs so uh, if you haven't figured out that the main theme so this is our musical episode where we're we're finally going to break out we're gonna we're gonna uh break the plot for our bond the musical right and it's it's one of those musicals though where it's like all the music is just the bond songs like it's just like you know like one of those jukebox musicals as they call them you know Octopussy galore, like that. That's that's the song I'm working on. I, I'm working on the more controversial. Oh, so you're actually doing piece. original material? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm trying to you know be creative. I'm trying to bring something I mean, new to the Bond. To franchise. be honest, though, Octopussy galore just sounds like a fan fiction. Octopussy ship. galore. That's like a fan fiction. Ship the problem and... is that's the only lyric I've ended up on. Yeah. It's just saying that over and over again. It's not a good musical hey, thus far. I mean, one of the lyrics should be like. Like, like, there's a chorus. It's like, her name's gotta be pussy. Her name's <laughs> See? gotta you're, be pussy. You're, 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 uh, you're getting the spirit of yeah. it. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it, it has been a long time coming, uh, talking about um, the the music of this. Something that, um, admittedly, you're more, you're you're the most knowledgeable about of, of the two of us. Yeah. Um, but, in addition to that, we thought that it would be, uh, it would be fun to finally bring in maybe another opinion uh, of the sh- of the show because yeah. um, obviously maybe something to uh, pick up my lack of knowledge because th- this is one thing where uh, I will be putting in my two cents uh, as uh, more of the layman to the Bond franchise. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that after doing this whole thing you, you would consider me a, a layman I mean, of, you kind of still are yeah it, it's still like you know uh, it's the reason we do the show like you, yeah. you're coming into the godzilla i'm coming into the bond you're, you've learned a lot but there's still so much to learn yeah, there is there it's there like is. being a jedi yeah and in this case the see you always i had a good segue and you always you always steamroll over the segue yeah. anyway basically what i was saying why not make up for my lack of knowledge by bringing in somebody else with a little bit more knowledge? Uh, and um, for the first time, we are finally bringing on um, a friend of the podcast. A legitimate uh, friend of the podcast. It, it, it is our friend, uh, Kenny. Kenny, can you hear us? I can. Yeah. <laughs> so the one I've been working on is similar. It's We have all the octopusy in the world. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we can find a way to separate those and make them unique. But I think Octopussy is going to wind up being used a lot yeah. in our new songs. I mean, it, it's definitely an inspirational character. So It's uh, sad that it, the title song doesn't 
say it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was it, 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 one one thing I will say going uh, just kind of um, the little spoilers in, into the episode, but. I, I, it was funny in preparation. We listened to all all the songs uh, to to get into this, and when we got to Octopussy, all that was in my head was like they didn't put they, they didn't, don't say it. they don't yeah. say it in the song, and they're cowards. Yeah, like T- yeah, it was like again, Tim Rice just like I can't find anything to rhyme with pussy. Yeah, uh, come so on, it, yeah. Have you listened to rap? <laughs> Kenny, this was the '80s. It was rap was in it. Yeah, you're right. They were still rapping about like making carrots and peas. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Kenny, welcome to the Bonzilla Podcast. You are officially the first guest on on the show on the ever so extremely niche famous show. <laughs> yeah. I I love it. I I feel honored to be welcomed here. Yeah. Obviously, I've watched. Uh, like they said, I, I'm a true friend of the pod. In the sense that I have hung out with these people for years, almost a decade now, which is weird to think. Well, it, it is funny because, you know, sometimes, you know, on a not to diminish any of your status, uh, Kenny, as a friend of the podcast, which is how much more status can you, no, can it's you need? Like, it's the ideal but, in this day and age, 2020. But it, it is funny where it's like, you know, we have like a fan podcast. And can you imagine if we tease this? It's like we're going to have a guest. They're like, oh, man, like, you know, or is like, is it going to be like, Jordan Vote Roberts or like you know <laughs> Michael Doherty for the like one of the bond sides they're on they're online all the time they they'd hop onto a podcast to talk yeah. about their stuff is it like some like uh is it like what's what's that bond is podcast? it Josh Trank yeah. <laughs> for some reason maybe he'll do it is, is it what, what's that bond podcast James Bonding is it yeah. somebody from James Bonding no even better the best title ever friend of the <laughs> Our podcast friend. <laughs> and, well, least... and and I think this is the confusing thing I think friend of the pod you know that gets said a lot i think that's usually supposed to be used when someone has like been a frequent guest on the podcast right right so i don't even know that i technically am i'm like an acquaintance of the pod so you're but so, a friend of the host so everybody's well maybe they're just seeing a christening of, of the the friend of this the is podcast. the beginning of this the, the, be the beginning of a beautiful pod friendship we are literally you are right now you've done your double kill and this is you yes. getting the license to pod. Yes. Because you've, you've been on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, I was going to say, I'm look, I'm going to do my part to bring in the uh, USC football fandom <laughs> over here to the uh, James Bond Godzilla fandom. Because, I think there's some overlap. Well, yeah, because well, there's that, and you've guessed it on other podcasts, and now you've guessed it on this yeah. podcast. So this is truly your double your double pod, so yeah. now you're licensed to pod. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think uh, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but uh, the reason... Reason we did actually bring you on, though, um, and why I thought this was good, because quite frankly, when it comes to this topic, uh, Nick and I both agreed that you two, uh, well, I don't it kind of sounds weird on Nick's part, that Nick agreed that he and, his, and another person were the most knowledgeable <laughs> on this topic, but uh, we both agreed that you would be a great addition to talk about uh, this topic today, because uh, just from my experience, uh, you've definitely had um, a lot of uh, knowledgeable stuff to say about the Bond music. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And um, again, this was just a uh, professor I had, but so a plug that for something I will get nothing for. If, if you want to dive even deeper after this episode, a uh, professor I had named John Burlingame has a book called The Music of James Bond. goes through Skyfall, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has Spectre in it. But mm-hmm. if you want to dive even deeper, 
great stuff in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think that's uh, we we do this podcast for nothing. So yeah. you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're we're heroes in, in is, a way. I've never we, thought we're of myself essential as one. workers. Yeah. We're heroes. <laughs> right. And I, and every night I go outside and don't hear people banging their pots and pans for me. I get kind of annoyed. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, this is the most fun we have every, every week. Um, or at least I have every week. Now. Uh, just quickly, mm-hmm. before we get into our topic, since we do have a listener of the podcast and, and a friend of the podcast, I did want to ask this because we, we really don't get enough chances to ask this, but um, this is kind of off topic, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Kenny. So you okay. obviously listen to this podcast as a Bob yeah. fan, as I have, but you've also, you know, going in, you had, you know, minimal knowledge of Godzilla. So you've kind of been on that I've side. seen almost none. I had seen basically the the new ones. Yeah. The legendary ones and the the one everyone hates, the American one. So mm-hmm. I just I just wanted to get like kind of And two thousand. I've seen two thousand. Okay, cool. Yeah. Everybody's seen two thousand me. I didn't see that one when it came out. Uh, but I just wanted to get like what was your perspective on like your Godzilla journey through this podcast? Just because again, we don't get a really a chance to It really made it made me I'm, again, so I still haven't watched all of them, but it made me really want to. Um I've now seen um obviously the original, yeah. which is just a classic it, it holds up so well um and then i've seen shin godzilla now which i really loved mm-hmm. yeah um I, you don't you haven't got that yet no we've done no, shin no, we've yeah done, yeah we don't oh, okay it. okay yeah yeah okay good plug yeah <laughs> That's right. that must be recent then yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was um the end of last year yeah yeah okay uh, <laughs> it's recent recent enough recent enough yeah um okay. but anyway so sorry uh go ahead um, yeah, so Shin uh, loved it. Watched it at a weird time. I watched it like right as this pandemic kicked off. Right, I was right. Like, this is not fun. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember what, I was texting this group and what was like, why now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Is that it? Definitely, just when it comes to natural disaster and um, political bungling and stuff. Yeah, but, but just, I am. I am. But to piggyback off of Nick, I am just interested, just as a, as somebody who is because frankly you you are in nick's shoes where you are way more entrenched in bond than yeah, you are so, Godzilla. So, I mean, uh, going into the podcast it, it's very interesting because the episodes have a different feel to me which i think is obviously partially the intention um but i think like obviously on the the bond ones it's very interesting to hear like your first watch takes or like you know maybe second watch or third one but like early take on a movie that nick and i you know have probably seen at least 10 times right and it's like we, we could we can tell you everything that's going to happen in this movie whereas like uh i remember um i believe it was for your eyes only uh when your reaction to the computer making the oh face, god yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it's just little things like that that like to me i'm so used to that happening but it's like oh yeah if you haven't seen this before that's gonna be insane mm-hmm. to witness yeah and so like that's the fun part of those whereas like the fun part of the godzilla episodes is i feel like i'm learning because <laughs> like, I, I don't know anything about that I, I haven't seen them so i obviously know nothing about like the production and stuff um and i find that stuff fascinating because a movies i've never seen but it's like this whole um not a genre but a whole one of the earliest franchises that and it's still running today and um Especially, I, I like also the fact that it is an international thing. You know, I mean, Bond is too. We're none of us are in the UK, but like that just feels like a little closer to home. Whereas like Japanese productions, uh, you know, it's very interesting seeing the differences there. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, one of the franchises has that where it's definitely more of a foreign import 
entertainment than right. Bond is, where yeah. Bond is definitely more um, uh, like he's Western entertainment. He's always keeping Felix Leiter in mind. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, and it's like, you know, the, the, the whole reason the franchise exists is because it's, you know, partnership of the UK and then United Artists mm-hmm. into MGM. So it's like, you know, it still has that American roots to it as well. Um, yeah. Well, definitely. Well, I also came on here to be a truther about the new Bond film with Nick, but we talk about conspiracies later. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. Um, it's funny because every I I hop off and on the the this uh, Bond twenty five truth train with with you guys. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> because what was it? Because I think well, I, it's what, a good conspiracy. What, what, what on the podcast last on the last episode? Didn't I say like, isn't it going to be re- truly awkward if the plot of the new James Bond movie is like he oh. releases a virus? Yeah, like I don't after know if that all was the podcast, if we were just talking, yeah, about it's that. just like after but... all of this, like how awkward would that be? Like, can because... they release it if that's what it is? I think they'll they'll just have to because like the thing is like what would make it actually like you would just have to laugh at it because at that point yeah. like we were just so young and naive when. We thought that the movie was moving dates. Like, this was going to be the one movie that moved <laughs> dates out of, like, just courtesy. Just like, you know, they didn't want to be yeah. politically incorrect. And little little did we know. that. But So I think at the end of the day, if it becomes about a virus, it, it will be hilarious. It yeah. It, it will be. But... While we're on Bond, and um, we and I think and thank you, I'm glad that the uh, Godzilla episodes have been uh, educational, informative. That's always kind of like the goal with those who are yeah, and obviously like the uh, the unproduced one, incredible. Oh yeah, thank you. That was a fun one. <laughs> that was a really fun. Yeah, one. that that, was that fun to listen to. oh that 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 was a gem. That 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 was a gem of a of a unmade movie. I I, I thought. Um, but like kind of like pivoting back into bond, uh, real quick. So kind of give us like your brief history on like, just what your relationship with the bond franchise is. Sure. Um, I've been a fan of bond since I was a little kid. Um, it was one of the first things my dad showed me that wasn't like a kid's movie. Uh, Goldfinger was the first one I ever saw. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I've, I've probably seen that movie more than any movie. And I think maybe not as much now because it's been, no, I guess I saw it. I've seen it this year, so it hasn't been that long. But um, there was a time there where I probably could have recited the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was obsessed with James Bond um, since I was a kid. My, my parents had like a funny way of showing them to me. I don't know what all the criteria was, but like there were some that they thought like, oh, he should be a little bit older to see. I know License to Kill was one of those um, that I had to like wait. To, I was like five when I saw Goldfinger. I was very young um, and obviously kept watching them. Uh, early library experience for me as a kid was I would go and rent a Goosebumps book and a Bond DVD. <laughs> once you had a DVD player. Uh, that was a lot of my summers as a kid. Um, I'm trying to think of other, other like former Bond has just been around for like a ton of formative experiences for me. Um, I, a year, my parents were very worried about me finding out um, that Santa wasn't real. I, I had asked for Goldfinger. Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoilers on the oh, podcast. Oh, my God. Well, okay. <laughs> and then parents, like, have your kids not listen <laughs> at that part. But um, my, my parents were very worried about that because I asked for Goldfinger action figures of James Bond, Oddjob, and Goldfinger. 
And this is like when the internet and eBay are super new and stuff. And so like my uncle was able to find, he was like on the, one of the first people to like try out eBay and stuff. And I, I know now in hindsight, he was like able to find those. But I, when I looked at my stocking and there was like a bond, a gold finger and an odd job action figure in there, I was like, oh, it's real. That's incredible. It was a miracle. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and then like an early internet experience for me. And then, so the way I know, uh, Will and Nick is I, I was in film school with them. I went to USC and I was in screenwriting with Nick. Um, and the, the first screenplay I ever read was the world is not enough. It was posted on some site. I, I have no idea where I found it. Um, and I printed 120 pages of script. And my, my dad was like, what have you done? <laughs> um, cause that, that's a lot of ink. Yeah. And I think probably back then it was even more expensive to do that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I printed it all out and I like three hole punched it and put it in a binder. That was the first script I read. I'm sure I didn't understand all the like interior. Dude, printing, or, like, trying to, that, printing but... scripts on your own when you don't work in a professional office environment <laughs> is, is, is a, a challenge. It, it's, right, it's, it's an experience. Because even like USC, like, you know, you would have like. You had to pay. You had to pay for it, but it was still like, you know, like. Oh, you dude, still... try it. Like, I, I've done it at home recently. I've done it at home too. It, it's it's yeah. no, it's, it's no, no bueno. It's no joke. And then when you're trying to put the little. Uh, when you're trying to three-hole punch it, if you're foolish enough not to print on three-hole punch paper, yeah, right. good luck. Right, right. Good luck with that, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. Um, that was the first one I saw in theaters, too, was The World Is Not Enough. I wonder if that was my first PG-13 in theaters. No, it wasn't, because Mask of Zora was. Okay. <laughs> but it was an early one. Which we have talked about on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is, look, I will stay in that movie forever. That rewatch that movie that, that's kind of having its own in the in the era of like resurgence in movies that's kind of having uh it's it's yeah, a pe- little people it's are little people are, are talking about that as they should be good um so, so yeah growing up bond was always huge for me well that's uh then it's good it's good to have you on it's good to have you on board um so anyway so let's let's dive into it um a little bit um so it's interesting with the music um, when it comes to James Bond, and I've been—I th- was thinking about it from my end a little bit, and I'm interested to kind of hear your guys' response to this because I like to cons- like think of myself as like a big fan of like film score and in- in- everything, um, and. And uh, definitely, and you know the the sound of, of of movies and the music and everything that it, it's involved with it. And it's interesting after going through all of these Bond films, and even after just going through the intros, which we we had done in preparation for the episode. It's fascinating to me that Bond has such a unique signature sound that you know it even within Bond movies. You know it in offshoots of bond movies you know yes. in parodies you know it in like anything else that's like tangentially related to bond or bond itself it has such a unique sound but at the same time none of its music individual or it's i should say none of its scores individually stand out to me which i find interesting interesting uh and when we watch the movies like it was funny because in, in some cases um uh like like as we were listening to the themes i'm like oh yeah like that that theme 
um, came back. Like, which which one is it? The one that's um, which fun fact? We probably mentioned this on the show, and Kenny, you may remember it, but one of the themes, the instrumentals, plays in uh, Godzilla versus Mothra from nineteen. 19- yeah. Uh, it's you only live twice. Yeah, the, so the the instrumental cue from you only live twice is uh, played in Godzilla versus Mothra, like when they're like That's out awesome. out 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 on the sea and like on like a giant boat, and it's a very Bond like looking type uh, type scene. So there are a few bits that actually did spring spring up to me, but it, it is interesting that I never walk away from a Bond movie really taking away like the score. Like on a on an individual on an individual basis, but that being said, the sound of Bond is so iconic mm-hmm. in, in in signature. The the thing I'm I'm thinking of the most is that iconic use of like the brass instruments and like the like we for instance we just yeah. got finished watching uh in our last episode we got finished watching Kingsman, and Kingsman has a lot of like the brass accent, like, you know, it zooms in on, like, you know, like, on somebody's gun, and it goes, like, like, like stuff like that, or, like, like, like stuff like that, and, and, like, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about, like, you know that, like, that sound when you hear it. The Incredibles does that as well. It's obviously inspired by Mission Impossible, but also very much John Barry's. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of, like, the biggest revelation that i kind of had made when diving back in, in into this in into this thing so uh i, I don't know like what, what what would you guys say to some something like that uh how would you guys yell at me about that one <laughs> well okay to me there's one score specifically that like including the title song and everything is very distinct i, I would say that's from russia with love mm-hmm. um because of how much john Barry incorporates that title song throughout the movie and like that theme of the little like this is gonna wind up with just me like trying to sing a lot. The the snares are hitting like a machine gun. It's awesome. It's like that 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 score to me is like one that stands out. And um, I mean, there are a bunch that stand out. Other ones stand out because they're not John Barry. I'm sure we'll get into a little later, but. I mean, yeah, the sound itself is iconic. And, like, if I'm thinking title songs that lead into, like, the iconic sound, I'm thinking of, like, Goldfinger and Thunderball with just the most bombastic singing and brass, like, yeah. attacking you almost. And and that is what's parodied in, like, uh, Spy Hard or um, the Scorpio episode. You only move twice of The Simpsons. Um, like, that, that is, you're right, there's a signature sound to it. And it's, but I think like the thing that's so cool about Bond is the, or let's just take it back to like the initial Bond theme song is if you ask someone, sing me the Bond song, I heard this somewhere, I don't remember where, there are three things they might do. Because mm-hmm. one, one is the guitar, which is like, I feel like that's such a 60s thing, but it also makes it timeless. Uh, like having that little guitar come in. And obviously, once the horns are in, is like a different thing. They might, they might hum to you, um, like blanking on the third now. But like I, it's a thing that pops up um, repeatedly, kind of as they go on. I don't know if it has as much after like Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, but Bond kind of adapting to the times. Whereas, like, but even though the music is changing, 
once that guitar or those horns come in with that theme, it just like, at least for me, it takes me back to that place. Where it's like, it, yeah, it's yeah. definitely, yeah, it. it's definitely the constant in, in, mm-hmm. in that, that keeps it. And, and I guess I should in, give the score too much crap because it's like it does have an iconic like bond does have an iconic theme song you know uh just to get my perspective on it it's a couple things of just uh listening to what you said i think one of the things to note is that that big brass sound is really coming from the development of john barry as a composer because like barry you know it goes on to be a legendary and oscar-winning composer but you know at the time that he was came in to quote-unquote fix the monty norman's version of the Bond mm-hmm. theme you know he was kind of a struggling sort of jazz musician post-war jazz musician that was kind of transitioning into kind of writing you know writing music like for other people and writing film scores and and the bond thing was kind of his big break and so especially those first three like really like i think from rush with love especially and goldfinger are really very solidifying his sound which he obviously evolves over time as well um what's what's interesting about what will said about the scores is i don't i partially agree and disagree in the sense that yeah i think the bond scores are like perfectly situated for the film that they're almost like they're scores that really blend into the action so well i think um, oh yeah and, and and barry has always been good on that i i feel the same way uh with his score at the black hole which is kind of his other score i'm most familiar with his non-bond score I'm most familiar with but i also think that when you listen to them outside of the context they are very good scores i just don't think they stand out mm-hmm. in that filmic way i right. think that barry had such a knack especially in his films uh, the films that he did that, um, of course, the films that he did, he didn't really have effects on the other ones. But um, he had such a good job at matching, like, what the film needed that it almost is just kind of blends into the experience. And I said, because I remember, like, it's like, you know, I, I had, like, the Bond theme for a long time. And I had, like, the songs, but it was very, re- it was actually very recently once I started getting into records and I started buying Bond records that I started to really appreciate you know, a lot more of the of the scores and, and Barry's sound and, and looking more into Barry over the podcast, especially after watching The Black Hole, which I keep mentioning because it's a great score. Um, but I do think that there's a lot, you know, to those scores and a lot of, 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 of memorable th- themes once you hear them, I think. Yeah, and so, like, I, I might have been a little more familiar with the scores because uh, another thing, my dad had them all on vinyl. And so, like, that was how I would listen to them mm-hmm. uh, when I wanted to. And, like, I would do that if I wanted to watch a Bond movie, but, like, I didn't have one rented. I would just, like, try to relive it through the score. Yeah. And I, I will say, like, they, they do, like, though you can say, and I, I think there's later ones of his that it's, like, this could be in any of the Bond movies. But especially early on, it brings up that specific Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like this could only be from You Only Live Twice. Yeah. Or, like, this could only be in Diamonds Are Forever. It's got, like, kind of a little more quirkiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, it's got the synth in it. Which... I, I do. I would agree with you, Kenny. I think that his, like, his Connery and his Lazenby scores, I think, are all very distinctive. I think yes. once you get into Barry's um, more era scores... Um, I think there's that's one kind of thing. So I think like like stuff like um, I mean I've said this on the podcast that like the best things about Octopussy and View to a Kill are the Barry scores. 
Um, yeah, well, again, the <laughs> it's hard to look for diamonds on in those. But, but I mean, I even think in those movies, the scores those are some of his weakest ones. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. But, but like, he goes out on a very high note. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, you and I agree on that. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. So my my question to both of you guys would be, um, well, I do have, I want to get like the kind of like the, the broad, the, this one out of the way real quick. And that's just talking about the theme song I- I itself. Yeah, the, the main theme. Because that is one I think we can all agree is like truly iconic. Yeah. And, and it's probably up there with all the iconic theme songs, like from like Mission Impossible, Star Wars, uh, Halloween. Like, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say Halloween. Like, it reminds me of the Halloween theme where I believe I, I was watching uh, with a friend, like Halloween H two O, and which is not a great movie, but it does prove one theory correct. And that is any time that the Halloween theme starts playing in full force, like you're instantly alert and you're instantly brought back into the movie because like the theme mm-hmm. song is, is that strong. Yeah. Um, and it's almost very it's, it's similar to Bond where e- even more so like on its own, like you you just you're you're just like you almost like start snapping to the to the to the to the beginning of it when it goes like dun, 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 and yeah. It, and and in some ways, I find it to be a really perfect theme song because what what stands out a lot of like the iconic film and TV theme songs is that they are their own individual songs. Like so, a piece of score like can sometimes come in or peter out because it like goes to a scene or something. And, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that, but it does feel that way. But like all the the, the classic theme songs feel like a single. Like you know, like a like a hit single on this. Like if composers released top hit singles, it would be like the theme songs. It would be like right. like um you know it it has a it it almost has a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And the fact that the the James Bond theme song almost starts out with that like kind of like low like quiet espionage type feel, and then becomes more bombastic as it goes on, and then like has like a great like crescendo, and then like a cool sly end to it. Um, really makes that chord it... at the end is a very nice way yeah, to end it. I would definitely like agree on that, and I think like it is gonna what Kenny said earlier is just like kind of it's there's like that those three parts. It's like the the beginning of the the, the beginning is what I was forgetting earlier. there's that, and then there's that bum bum ba da da da. You know, and it's and mm-hmm. then it's like do do do. You know, it has right. all all that together. I think it's a couple things. One is like that it's so well structured as a score and it's like again it's you know monty norman wrote the just the base of it and then barry added all the instrumentation when they needed him to fix it and and barry's interpretation is really what makes that the the theme its theme um but i also think what really is fascinating about it is just how it really is a score that again because it has those three parts you can kind of really put put them use them within the movie in any sort of like action way like there are so many moments where that theme is integrated or or straight up just used and it just fits mm-hmm. like i always think about the story for goldeneye when you know eric eric sierra is doing the score for that one it's very drum heavy um if you know the the score or the video game score are very similar and like everybody the producers were like we're worried that we don't have a traditional version of the bond song in there so they just placed it 
in the tank scene and it works it it fits that awesome. moment. it fits yeah. that moment beautifully and there's so many examples of just like you know you're integrated and then it's like you know even with uh you know you can kind of tell especially in those earlier movies they're doing more to kind of put it in there like within the goldfinger and thunderball songs you definitely hear more of the theme within those songs um but i just think that it's really just fits like a glove in any sort of action role that you give it in or any sort of memorable moment with bond and that was that's what makes it so effective um, I'm, and I mean, there's little things in there that like people will point them out in other songs, like other pop songs. Um, and it's like certain progressions, our brains by this point, just associated with that theme song. One is the, um, instead of going up, I'm sorry if this is getting like too musically technical, but like, instead of just going up the scale, hitting every half note and going, that like. That in people's brain, they're like, "Oh, this sounds like a Bond song." Mm-hmm. Uh, when, like, if if that instrumentation comes in any music, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is, it's like, um, like you're listening to a new song, and you're like, "Oh, okay," kind of like cool little Billie Eilish single, and you're like, "Oh, there it is. There's the Bond part." Okay, I, I, I'm in. It, it is interesting that you bring that up, Kenny, because it does stand out as a pretty good theme song in that almost every inch of it feels like its own. Like when you really think about like the 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 franchise and how the music has been used, almost every bit of the theme has been almost used as a motif or a sound effect, mm-hmm. which I don't know like how much like I, I can't point to too many other um, uh, examples of like a big theme song. Like a, a recent example that actually related to the podcast is I actually feel like Bear McCreary did this really well. Uh, with um, the Godzilla theme in King of the Monsters, where he was actually able to take individual portions of the classic Godzilla theme and then use those as either sound accents or motifs here and there. Um, but the Bond s- song, you're right. Like the the beginning where is like you've heard that just used as its own little motif. Yeah. You've heard the the horn blare, like the banet. You've heard that used as like a sound effect or an accent, and then um, the as like its own little thing that may like evolve into something else. So it is interesting that it, 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 it works it, how much it's mined for its individual aspects as much as like the actual song itself. Yeah. And you know, again, you even have it where the, it's all those original bond movies, you just have it like, again, even that little bit of it that plays over the gun barrel sequence, you know? Right. Right. And, and how, and getting, you'll know this, that like how those other composers that do it still put their own spin, like Bill Conti. In, yeah. I mean, well, once we get done talking with John Barry, I'd like, I think especially Spy Who Loved Me, I want to talk about how he's right, like, yeah, like Marvin, it's Marvin, incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the Bond 77 from Spy Who Loved Me yes. or, or the stuff in for your, you know, for your, um, for your eyes only, but like, but you know, and, and even within, you know, like Barry's own work, like, you know, his version of that theme within the living daylights is also so unique and specific. As well. Oh, it's awesome. It's, it's yeah. very much like, you know, you can still take it and kind of update it and, and add kind of different things to it. But, you know, when you have those original Bond films, you all have that gun barrel sequence that's like starts it off, and with the theme just partially playing, again, it creates that icon- iconography that gets you like involved and like you know gets you excited. Yeah, the only the, now, the only time when it's not great is when you have in those earlier movies where it's just like they just play the entire scene while he like or the entire theme while he like examines a room. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the, that, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, for Doctor No, one of Doctor No is the Dr. one no really. Where... But the other thing about Doctor No is that it technically does not have an original score in the sense exactly that, because Norman was essentially like, you know, once Barry kind of edited the score, they were like, this is it. Because the rest of the, if you if you look at like the official soundtrack, it's you know, there's no actual instrumentation pieces by Barry or Norman other than the theme. It's all like you know the the three blind mice thing three blind mice, yeah. underneath the mango tree. And it's not really until from Usher with love where Barry gets a shot at doing a full score that kind of that. And, and might I add knocks it out of the park. All right. Yeah. Cause that's really, <laughs> that's truly like his first score, you know, like that's and true, part like, of that is like a thing. Nick, I really want to talk about is John Barry. If there is a thing I miss most from bond movies, it, it's John Barry's using the title song and incorporating that music right. into the score. Yeah, because it's like you do like because like Newman does it a little bit with Skyfall, like when he's like getting yeah. into the thing. But like, but Barry was a master at that, like integrating not yeah. just like the theme, but any other songs he helped contribute to it. it. Like he's very much someone who establishes that, and I think that it's like the other composers of that original era do do a good job at like you know integrating that mostly. Um, but but and, Bar- and like, Barry was definitely like a had a specific talent for like finding ways to get like those scores in there. It is yeah, what and, it, and like. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say just to say what you were saying about Barry. It is one of the things that it, that does interest me most about the whole Zimmer Eilish teaming up uh, or like pairing uh, for this Bond movie that may never come out. Um, but just knowing Zimmer and his work is that, and knowing that you know, that there was some, uh, at least partnership or like some influence, which way or which way, I don't know. One way or the other. other, Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the fact that they're doing that, like gave me like a little bit of like interest that like, Oh, like the score will probably integrate like the theme and have like that, like, and And the fact that the theme itself was like having cues from the classic bond stuff. Um, but one of the one of the questions I was gonna since we're kind of like getting into John Barry right now um, was the question I had for you guys is like what is would you what to you is like the the DNA and essence of like the classic Bond music like what makes the Bond what makes the Bond sound like what makes like all that iconic stuff as iconic going forward? I would well th- okay. Nick, you kick it off. I would say, I mean, obviously, like Barry starts it off with the, you know, the big brass, the big horns, the big sound, um, especially for his action stuff. Um, like you can kind of take again the sort of the 007 theme, the you know, like very, oh yeah, a lot of very, a lot of horns, but also with like his work in in those early works, like you know, the Goldfinger instrumental very much like kind of again that mix of the guitar but a lot of horns in there you know like you like the bond sound especially that early bond sound is that opening of the goldfinger song like bwah, bwah, it, i was gonna say bwah. the same thing goldfinger is the sound yeah goldfinger is definitely where it gets to and i think what's interesting is that like once it evolves like and i think barry kind of keeps that a little bit later in his career he does use strings a little bit more um i just think that's an evolution of his own style but i think it's that i think in terms of the sound itself um is yeah that big brass the big horns and especially kind of using them very much in the action sequences i also think though that what really distinctly makes 
what Barry really brings in those early works and I think really carries on up until very recently with the Bond franchise, it's it's very thematically based. It's very yep. Giacchino-esque in that way where it's like each film has its theme and like, again, Barry usually matches that theme up with, you know, the the song. He'll kind of integrate that. But, you know, you'll also still have like, you know, Bond has his own little theme and the villains will have their own little motif that he'll put in there. Um and I think that's really, and you'll you'll see that very much within again that original era. Once other composers come in, um, you know, I, I think of Bill Conti's uh, "For Your Eyes Only" score, which is you know has the the Molina theme and has you know kind of the the way that the actions theme, and he brings his own sound to it, but it's very thematically based, um, which I think is very distinctive, like Bond wise. Yeah, and like uh, I mean, I agree with all of that. I, uh, the- there's uh yeah there's the distinct brass and then like yeah each movie early on and again this is one of the things that like i i think starts to fall apart for a variety of reasons at towards the end of moore's uh, uh the, the Moore era with john barry but just because you're also getting similar movies to what was happening before like uh i think it kind of gets lost like view to a kill is supposed to be like a throwback. It's supposed to be making you remember old, especially Goldfinger. Yeah. Um, it's like structured to be like Goldfinger, um, which is weird in retrospect because like, it's weird to think of that now. Cause I don't think that comes across almost at all, mm-hmm. but um, like, especially early on um, you're getting these unique locales. Like er, uh, early on, it's like Thunderballs, the water movie. Honor, uh, you only live twice is is the space movie before there's another space movie right. uh, and a volcano as well as well yeah and and the Japan movie so it has kind of all those elements in there like especially because like you know you, yes. you only live twice is definitely a good example because Barry definitely takes like a, a distinctly Japanese Asian influence um, within that school yeah you know like that you, you only live twice is, is that's another one I know you mentioned that like the best part of those later more movies is the score you only live twice I think the best part of that might be the score because I mean, just the yeah. opening strings, the way they keep being used. And it's, he just gets these little, you know, they're not like, I mean, the Bond song, the whole thing's iconic, but I think like each of his other movies have like, you know, two, maybe four measures. And you just kind of use that and integrate it into other songs. And mm-hmm. like, you're like, yep, this is a You Only Live Twice song. Like, I feel like, I feel like Nick. Do you, do you agree? Like, if if you 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 were played the songs, what score do you think you get? So, like, you don't know what they're from, and you have to guess. You have to listen to a full song. I, I think I'd get an A or a B. Yeah, I got worse than B. I think I probably could, um, just because I think you know. Again, like especially those early ones, um, you're not wrong. It it would be dependent on what's played. You know, I think I could yeah. probably grab most of the action themes you know like i probably if you played like you know the octopusy action scene the you know uh or like you know the view to a kill like the snow job track which i i is one of the best of that movie um i think like i could but i definitely think you're right especially that like first run of barry scores um you know from 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 rush with love all the way to diamonds i think you very much couldn't tell like just by listening to it like the differences I would get so, a, I would get a D. Yeah. 
I, I straight, would straight D, straight F, whatever. You say the that I, I think you'd do better than you're expecting. No, no. I mean, like I see, I already, like I already forgot, like the one that you, you, you just, you just mentioned the, the. the but that's the part that throws uh, them off. No, I, I know. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but, but, it, but to that point though, it is funny that like when we were watching, um, because I think actually it was even before, um. Nick and I had watched the movie together. I was because with uh, the the Hey era Godzilla films, I was kind of rewatching them a little bit early just to kind of get my notes and in my notes in order. And I remember getting to that scene and and it clicked in my head. So it's like I I did know right. like that that's what it was from. Right. And and the pairing of the image, I definitely knew what they were getting at, and I definitely gotcha. like, yeah. So it, to even though like you know, and again, some of it could just be it, just me personally. One of the, one of the interesting things about scores is that I think I, I honestly think people can be a little bit too. Uh, the the problem with scores is that the really good scores have ruined all scores. And what I mean yeah. by that yep. is because <laughs> there is a lot of excellent scores out there. And I would say like there's there's still great scores that come out every year for like movies, but they get overshadowed because they're not like the Star Wars theme or they're not the James Bond not theme. Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like because they're not a instant John Williams theme that you've you know, been with for 30 years, yeah. like, because they're and not, how that, could they be? It, like, yeah, exactly. So it, it is kind of funny that we're, we're almost that that's actually the one thing. And this, this is kind of a different topic, but it is the one thing about, you know, people always wonder about like, you know, well, how is like new stuff like going to be remembered as well as the old stuff? I actually worry that a little bit more about that with like scores, because yeah. like, if anything, like people, I feel like people are way more forgiving about like, letting in new like films and like mo- like we always get like new tv shows and movies that kind of hit that like vein and like people will remember it yeah. and you know people are still talking about like mad max and breaking bad like you yeah. know to like right now and they still will but you know does anybody talk about the mad max score as much as they will like any of these scores we're talking about now yeah uh no, it's definitely oh, i'm like i think we'll get into this like i came up with my ranking of all the songs my top five, I don't think will ever. Nothing will get in there. Ever. Right, right. Yeah. It, it 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 is it it is interesting. Um, but uh, but anyway, kind of like going back to you. You guys were we were in the middle of talking about like John Barry and, and the and the DNA yeah. of, of the uh, of the Bond scores. And one of the things I do think is very important with Barry is that Barry was not just doing the scores, but Barry was also very heavily involved with with the songs too. Which I think, yes, which I think like like because like you know if you look at like Quantum of Solace, it's like well yeah, it's Jack White writes the song, but he's not doing the scores. So it has nothing not, to do with the movie. Yeah. Right, right. Where it's like Barry was very very much conscious of you know that opening title song once that was established really at the end with the end song of for much with love but truly with the goldfinger you know how influential that movie is to the whole bond franchise and establishing like the title song and and all that sort of stuff and and Barry just being so involved whenever he was on score duty to write the song alongside you know or or write the song for a specific performer or write it alongside the performer very That's much part of the cohesion. It's it's, it's very yeah. much like he uh, always talked about just how important that was to the cohesion of of the the movie. Well, I think this kind of leads into like the other the, the the final not not like the final part of the episode, but the final. Um, piece to the whole musical puzzle that we'll kind of dive into and that is 
the the song of the thing, which yeah. is definitely one of the big iconic things about the Bond franchise is what is like the song yeah. um, that that comes with it. I think we can all agree like that is kind of like like it, what it never went away. It. Yeah. No, well, you but, know, even in Casino Royale, they you know they're rebooting everything. Right. You have to have the Bond title song. Yeah. If you asked yeah. if you asked somebody to name like five things about James Bond or the James Bond movies specifically, yeah. maybe not the character. If you said like name me five things you think about when you think of the James Bond films, yeah, probably the tagline Bond James Bond. Like you think of like the, ba- the martini, the yeah. martini, and like the song's gonna be the, in ja- there. the gadgets, and you're you're gonna you're gonna think of the song. Um, and and dude, it, it's so funny, like going through like the list uh, or going through like the compilation yeah. of all of them, and it's just really funny to see how much like it, it's always that funny thing. And we we talked about this with both of our franchises, how um, and then you know even recently we were all watching like the Star Wars films, and we had like this kind of like um little back and forth about like everything that you know about a franchise, um you know, does it stem from that first one or does it stem from, like, the legacy right. that preceded it? I mean, and there are many franchises like this. Like, Friday 13th is another great example uh, of this where it's like, oh, the big, like, you know, Jason isn't actually the killer. And the, and, the, and the hockey <laughs> like, mask doesn't it, but, appear yeah. until, th- until the third one. In fact, like, you know, this franchise, Bond franchise, has more in common with the Friday 13th franchise because I would say that most of the iconic things you know about the the series doesn't come in until like the third film right um yeah but it is really funny that there's all this stuff that you know and the song being one of them you are going to be so disappointed when you watch dr no <laughs> that just well, no, I know. craps yeah. the bed both with like an intro segment and a song because right. it starts off with a theme song and then it goes with this weird as i famously called yeah why well, I, I famously call the electric company opening with like the dots and everything yeah. and then it goes into this weird three blind mice thing you would you would actually think like it was like a joke like yeah. it, it, especially if you know all about bond and now you're going back and you're like wait this is how this is how it started and then and then it is really funny, like going into from Russia with Love, which is you can see they're kind of like experimenting with it a little bit, but it really isn't until Goldfinger. And, and again, in from Russia with Love, the title song isn't in the main titles; it's the end titles. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's the end of the movie, and they, it's they, not until Goldfinger that they do it. it yeah, they, they do it at the beginning. Yeah, and I think like that from Russia with Love song because that's you know Barry does integrate that a little bit into the score because it's like oh yeah because it's like technically the opening theme is partially in a instrumental of that song. Um, but can I can I say something about that was very striking that really made me think about this? They were literally we were there could have been a reality where the bond intro was not a thing like yeah. easily because it, yeah. and, and I know this kind of sounds like eye rollingly simple, but when you think about it, like the first thing, the first time they're doing it, it's kind of a very pedestrian. They don't know what to do with the opening type of opening, like with Dr. No. Right. Oh, yeah. And then they kind of do something a little bit different with the, the second one. Now, when it gets, comes to Goldfinger, that was a conscious choice to be like, oh wait a minute, that thing we did in Russian and from Russia with love, with like the images and the songs, that's something. What if we push that a little bit further? But there's just as much of reality where they could have just been like, oh yeah, let, well, like not even think about that because yeah, right now you're right. You would not even consider a Bond movie without the 
big elaborate opening like like a presentation in the in the theme song but back then in the first two movies it really wasn't a thing yeah and it's like i think it is very much true i I would i'd make this point and and because you're right this was similar to the conversation we were having about star wars goldfinger to me is like the empire strikes back is be the equivalent of like things have been set up we know who bond is we know he gets the girls we know he has these super villains with crazy lairs and stuff like that but goldfinger is like okay it's the cool car it's really gadget heavy compared for much with love has like a little bit but like goldfinger is when you're getting a bunch of the gadgets it's the title song and it's and when i say the, that's like with all capital letters and the that that's the song that they all are gonna try to be like basically mm-hmm. until you get a Oh yeah, away. like the the bombast of the brass comes in yeah. and uh, the yeah, big voice, yeah, yeah. It definitely like it, it struck me as um, very indicative and it, very indicative of what the movie is because the movie ends up being like all the other tropes and stuff that you expect from a Bond movie: the villains, the catchphrases, the mm-hmm. the girls yes. with the funny names, and like I expect you to die. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. and and, yeah, and the and the and the villain, or the, the villain the, is a sidekick. Exactly, yeah. that's what I was gonna say. But here's the question I would pose to both of you guys because I heard you kind of bring it up a little bit though too. Because well, A, I want to hear about just kind of like what your opinions and thoughts and what you think the DNA of like the Bond song is, should be, has been, and whatnot. And more importantly, what is like how important is it to you that that song fits into the film? Because you've said a couple times that there are examples where well, what does this song really have to do? Because I actually agree with the Quantum of Solace example. Actually, we listened to it, and listening to that song, I actually quite like that song. Like, I, I actually... I like the song. I like the, the song in the yeah. opening, and it, but then, like, thinking of Quantum of Solace, I'm like, oh, this this song this song is way too cool for what this movie is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so just kind of, like, your general opinions on, like, the Bond song in general and, like, how important it is, it is to you that it fits into the film in some way. Well, I think what well, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Kenny. Well, I was gonna say, like Nick was saying earlier, it, it changes so much when it's not John Barry, because when it's John Barry, the song is going to be the theme of the whole movie, and when it's not him, that's really not the case. Except, I mean, in Skyfall, yes, Skyfall incorporates it, but that's pretty much it. It pretty much never. Uh, now, I do like, and but again, Skyfall that's one of the most beloved ones recently because I think. Partially, but it, 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 it feels so classic. Um, and uh, so I'm mostly now, I don't know. The, the problem now is I feel like they're all trying to be Skyfall. Even though I, I really like this Billie Eilish one a lot. No, it, um, yeah, I, and, I, and I definitely will piggyback off of that comment and get into deeper a little bit later. But I, I see where you're coming from, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it it is, it is interesting. Yeah, and go for it. Um, well, I think it's a, I think it's a couple things in terms of the song, and, and Kenny's completely right. Is that that original era did such a good job of making that song feel like a natural part of the movie? And I would even give credit to, I would at least give credit to uh, Bill Conti for his use of the "For Your Eyes Only" instrumental, and even the way. Yeah, that, you're right. It is still used. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, but Barry really sets it up very well, and I think that it that's Barry's conscious choice. I mean, he he talked about that process very much. Is that he really would watch the movie and just kind of really 
try to picture like the song that would go with it, you know, when he's watching. Well, and Nick, is this a good time to talk about? So I don't, I, this may just be sporadic, but okay. So in living daylight, he did not like working with them. Right. With the uh, band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He thought they were a bore, I believe is the quote. Yeah. Uh, it's like one of those things where it's a couple different things where I think er, like right in the moment he, I think remember like he, right in the moment he didn't like working with aha and then, yeah. um, but then later, again, this is his last bond, like his last score. bond score one, like really towards the end of his career too. Like it's not, yeah. he has the throat surgery right after that. And it's really not too long after that where he kind of doesn't do many film scores. Um, but what I would say is that, like, I think he softened as later, but yeah, but very distinctly, like, he has another song in that film that he integrates yep. very well, and he does integrate. And that's the one he integrates, yeah. And it integrates mostly, but he does. He still does put in the aha sequence. Yeah, um, he does. He does still integrate that, so he's still a big part of his of his process. Um, and you know, like, there are other times where it's like, obviously, they replace the Thunderball song at the last minute because they were worried mm-hmm. that, they, that the song couldn't have the title in it. You know, it, like, if, they, if the song wasn't called Thunderball, so they had, you know, originally it was Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang instead, but he integrates that. But I think it's very much, you know, I, I think that a bad song will not necessarily degrade a Bond movie, but I will say that, generally speaking, the ones I don't like are usually with the Bond movies that I don't like as much. I agree. Uh, yep. Uh, there's one clear exception for me, but mostly yes. Um, but it's very much like the the song does. I mean, like that, that's the thing too. Is like the song is kind of you know you have the cold open usually, and that's really your like you know kind of that introducing moment. But it's really the song that's like getting you set up for the movie and getting you into the feeling when with Maurice Binder's you know or you know original uh, you know title sequences and stuff with all the you know the silhouettes was like very distinctive of the franchise too but really it's like it's kind of setting you up for whatever feeling barry's going to give you throughout the movie um yeah and well so so again but so my question would be for you guys what what do you look for in a bond song it's changed though is the thing like because in those early ones i want like i want to get established Kind of like what I think Nick was saying there. Like, I want to get established, like, okay, this is the world we're going to be living in, kind of, for this Bond. And, like, I mean, John Barry, we can talk about how, as far as start getting kind of samey, but, again, like, Living Daylights versus From Rush With Love, no, they almost are, you wouldn't guess it's the same composer right. who did those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, and those movies feel very different, also. Yeah. And, like... And again, that's that's even one that he didn't really like working with the artist, but he still gives it. It's one of my favorites. As Nick and I have talked about this a lot. It's one of my favorite scores he does. Um, so I think like what I'm looking for in the song is I like this may sound like dumb or something, but it's like I want to be thrilled by it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's fair, and I think that it really even like whatever the pacing is like. You know, like, um, uh, Nobody Does It Better fits Spy Who Loved Me like a glove. Like, just the notion of what ends up being, you know, the relationship between Bond and Triple X, like, is really just that song just captures that feeling. Whereas, like, yeah. And Goldfinger is like the bombast. It's like he's in the Aston Martin and he has a laser coming at him. And, like, and it, I mean, it also fits the song is about Goldfinger and it fits. Is about the villain. (laughs) But it fits Goldfinger's persona, too, where he's this big guy, you know, He's like Bane before Bane, right? Basically, 
He loves his money. He loves like you know the the he's big. He's a big character, and the song's big. Or like Thunderball. Like yeah, we've talked about Thunder. The first half of Thunderball is a complete bore. Probably the whole movie is too. But kind of that you know the biggest of that Thunderball song is supposed to really match up with you know the big underwater fight, like this big huge moment at the end. Yeah, um, and then like so my my favorite score of Barry's and it, no, well I should go without saying that it's also my favorite Bond score is. Um, uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, it, because because it feels more like uh just a spy story to me than like a big Bond movie, mm-hmm. and like that that's the one that was the biggest inspiration uh for The Incredibles, uh, along with obviously Mission Impossible, which is like you know it's a spy story, yeah. and like his incorporation of the synth with it is like. Hey, again, very ahead of his time. And then 69, people were not playing since. Yeah. It was like oh, him yeah. and the Beatles were the people doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, very much like the people note that, like, the first real use of synth or real major use of synth in the most in picture is is Barry. And I think Barry, especially yeah. early on, wasn't really – was was kind of also, like, he had this big brass and he loved playing with his horns. Um, but he wasn't afraid of kind of doing something different every once in a while or using a different kind of instrument. And, it, and unlike, as, as well, I'm sure we'll get to this with songs. Sometimes there are some big swings and misses. See, he didn't really miss when he tried something different. Very, he was really cool. Very rarely. Like, his his Bond scores are very much like, you know, again, from even the weaker ones are still have very listenable stuff in them. But in terms of the song, I just think that, and I think what's also uh, another thing I want to bring up, maybe not something I look for, but something that's very interesting to bring up is that there is also a really big legacy of the people who sing the songs too. Like the thing is, is like, mm-hmm. yeah, there most of the people that like have sung Bond songs have gone on to have like these huge careers. You know, when you think it's like, you know, when you think of like Tom Jones and Paul McCartney, Carly Simon. Well, Paul. Well, okay. Paul McCartney had a huge career. Already. Well, no, he's been mocked by James Bond well, in no, the movie. I, what I'm saying is, it's like it's not even that. It's like yeah, because like a lot of it's just like everybody who's been on a Bond movie, almost everybody has had like a career before that, career after that. You know what I mean? Yes, like, yes, there's a it. there's a couple of few examples where it's like oh there was like this person or this band and then they like you know it's like one of those things where they kind of fizzled out like kind of like you know garbage does the world is not enough and then but garbage of, was fairly big in the 90s right but it was, that's one of the th- weird things where it's like they were kind of on the rise and they broke up right after that but there's not really yeah. that story throughout bond history is that you really do have kind of a who's who of like people from their time periods oh um, stars and yeah, well, stars and and, and people who continue to be known outside of Bond. Like, where Garbage, like, the biggest trivia about them is that they did a Bond song, where it's like, people will name other Carly Simon songs, and people will name other Paul McCartney songs and Tom Jones songs. Like, they were people that had these huge careers outside of Bond, and they they added to that well, Bond legacy. And they were, they were yeah, really I, usually good with that. I actually think that's a great segue in, but into, like, two different things. Because one could be talking about Live and Let Die, which is the first departure yes. from John Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think I wanted to say briefly, which I think has ended now, but at the beginning of the Craig era, it that was odd to me because Jack White and uh, Chris Cornell w- were like 90s stars. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that was the only time I felt like, oh, they're kind of out of touch on like what Whatever. we're listening to. Yeah. Don't forget it was Jack White and Alicia Keys. Don't forget that. Well, Alicia Keys is more recent, yes. Yeah. But, like, it, those two felt 
and then obviously everything changed with Adele and Skyfall. But those two, I was a little worried for a second. I was like, oh, they might be kind of out of touch. I'm like, what music is? Because again, remember the song before those. The the thing I I would say, just from my perspective about what I'm looking at song, because it's I'm glad Nick brought up the whole like, you know, different famous artists or artists in different like. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, the, you know, it was like a random person. It, it usually is kind of, for the most part, known that like, oh, this person did a Bond song. This person did a Bond song. And, and and that in and of itself lies kind of like the conflict I have from like what I want from a Bond song. Because I'm coming from more of like uh, a little bit of an outside perspective on looking at these Bond songs. Because you it, you it it's cool you want people to come in and do their Bond song, but then... I am very conflicted on do I want to hear them do a version of a Bond song or do I want the movie to have a different sound to it? And I and I often find myself very conflicted on those two things uh, up until recently this Billie Eilish thing because when Billie Eilish was announced, I did not know whether I wanted like do I want a Bond song to sound like bad guy? Or do I want this to be an opportunity for Billie Eilish to basically kind of follow in the footsteps of what the previous Bond songs have been? Because I I think for a little bit for better and for worse, I think Kenny's absolutely right that there is kind of like now we've seen this trend that like everything is in the same vein of Skyfall. Right. Where everything is sad and moving. The singles all are like the artist in black and white. Right. Yeah. Um. So. So. But I do find a little bit of that. So I'm usually kind of like end up being happy, like with whatever it is, because like with this Billie Eilish thing, I found it very interesting as like a Billie Eilish song, and and I thought it was yeah. it was very good in that regard. Yeah. But that being said, I know one of the other eye rolling jokes that a lot of people make is that one of the more interesting Bond intros in a while is like "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," like the David Fincher version. Um, because like the, the way that opens is like, everybody like calls it like, it's like a bond like intro, but like on just drugs, like it's like crazy and like the way it's animated. And am I like, I, I, I think I am being honest in saying that I think I would like to see a bond movie that like goes for that. And I know I'm talking more about like the, the opening animation and, and I I think now I'm at the point where I think the next Bond movie does need to be kind of like because oh, yeah. I remember when like when Golden Eye yeah, when we when we get to the Golden Eye segment there is definitely like more of like an energy of jolt yeah. in like just the boom 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 you're like yeah. there's well, a little bit of like we, ooh what's this why don't we get into this now like so starting with Live and Let Die they switch composers yeah and. It's the reunion of the Beatles producer with Paul McCartney. Yeah, so it's George the title Martin. Song. George Martin, the fifth Beatle, as people would call yes. him. Yes. If you don't know about George Martin, he, he is the, the Beatles are not the Beatles without him. No, they're not. Yeah. But, yeah. He's such an important um, part of the group. Yes, he's essential. And this is Paul's first work with him since the Beatles broke up. Yeah. About a decade before... Or no, no. No, a couple uh, years. Like five years. Yeah. Before, yeah. Yeah. Two years before. Yeah. Um, but Paul has a solo career by this point. He's already put out like four albums. He did like one a year. Um, and yeah, he does Live and Let Die with him. And then you're having the Beatles producer 
do a Bond score, and it sounds very different. Yeah, it's like because because that's that's very distinctive because that's definitely like a different. Real quick, I'm gonna let you guys talk. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. Okay. Keep talking. Sounds good. Um, it's very distinctive too because you know um, completely because it's very much like because Martin is very much integrating like the classic Bond theme and the classic Bond mm-hmm. moments. But he's also integrating kind of an influence from the you know the black exploitation films that live uh, and uh, very obvious live and let die takes uh, so much from as as yeah. well as kind of still adding his own little flavor to it. Um, yeah, I mean that's still why live and let die. I, I don't think it's a very good movie, but I I do find it easily rewatchable because it's so interesting. The the, the I mean we we yeah it's like like live and let die is is it's weird. It's it's in that realm for me of so weird it's fascinating you know yes it's in that level of like that includes the score to me yeah and the score and i think it's like very list again very distinctive um for that film but it's also like even when you get to live and let die as a song it is very yeah we have to talk about it we okay so nick you and i are also both huge beetle fans yes yeah um obviously not including beetle songs but paul's solo career this is just one of his best songs. It's 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 one of if you're listing like the best of Paul McCartney and Wings, like "Live and Let Die" is in your top three. Yeah, it has to be. It's so, obviously it's no surprise that when Paul McCartney is in the booth with George Martin, gold is gonna yeah. come out mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, but like how good it is mm-hmm. is uh, I, I was also obviously and, re-listening to all the songs uh, to put together my ranking. And Love My Die, again, it doesn't sound like any Bond song that came before it. No. And it's like three songs in one, and they're all awesome. Yeah, it's it's and and again, Martin does a good job within the Live and Let Die score of integrating Live and Let Die. Um to the point where um dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. He, he like makes a new little theme for Bond, like and for the, that movie. And what's really funny is that that that's so distinctly of a song. Uh, and use it in the movie that like Barry actually kind of quotes it in Man with the Golden Gun when yes, uh, when which Pepper is very shows up, which, when Pepper shows up. So he actually like uses some live and let die to kind of like to attach that to Sergeant. Uh, but yeah, uh, part of what's weird about that movie is it is it is a British white man doing a black exploitation score essentially. Yeah. Which gives it a very weird feeling. Right, yeah. But uh, again, part of the weirdest... That, that's the weirdest Bond movie that we'll probably ever get. I mean, no other Bond movie is going to touch possible supernatural elements. Uh, which we, I don't think. And no other movie... Like you said, like, I mean, Bond has... No other movie will have... Yeah, it's the supernatural part that really is what makes it different. I think... what Didn't we talk about... Didn't we joke about... I think someone else joked about this with me, or maybe it was other friends of Patrick Pat. I can't remember who it was, but someone had a joke where I was like, oh, like, and then, you know, there's Baron Somedy and he's never going to come back even though he was at the end. And then someone told me like, what if Rami Malek was just Baron Somedy? That was me. Oh, that, that was me. That yeah. was you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was just like, he Gustav graves himself to if, be If Rami. he is in the new Bond movie. <laughs> I, I, I've always, virus, well, I, I'm, I'm back by the way. That's too much. Um, I'm back by the way, which by the way, uh, I need to get a third person on this podcast more because like I could just get up and pee. I can do, do this whatever. This is fun. I, I will say I know, that's always handy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I did say like out of all like the nostalgic franchise pulls they could do, they definitely, I, I, that would, that one would be, that one would be spectacular. Um, um were you, you guys are still oh, talking about li- one more thought on a uh, live and let die. I mentioned it briefly, but it is hilarious 
that it was about a decade before this, Bond was making fun of the Beatles. Yes. And now he's being scored by the Beatles. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, well, I mean, and, that, and that's all, like, again, the Saltzman, where it's like Saltzman had an opportunity to produce Hard Day's Night, and he didn't. And then he was like, well, I'm not going to not use the Beatles again. You know, because yep. that's also, like, Goldfinger was very early on in the Beatles, and then they... Oh, know, yeah, it's before any of their... Yeah. yeah. Um, you're probably thinking. But I do think, like, this is a good opportunity to talk about, like, kind of those other... The other ones, other yeah. The other non-Barry scores from that era, which is Marvin, Ham- Marvin Hamlish in Spy Who Loved Me and Bill Conti in uh, For Your Eyes Only. Um, you know, that opening sequence of Spy Who Loved Me with the Bond 77 and what's, what, it, people, what it's people... more It's more as coming out party yeah, movie. It's really it's is. James Bond now. And that's and you needed a new composer, I think, for that. Yeah, I, and I do think I, I think Marvin Hamlish again fits that movie like a glove. And the, yes, what people call like the disco Bond, but the Bond seventy seven theme just injects so much energy, especially coming off well, of of uh, yes, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, which Barry has distinctly said is one of his worst scores ever. Like he, and he, again, it's still like good, but it's yeah, yeah. The, I mean, by that point, if like when you're doing a Bond marathon. When you get to Man with the Golden Gun, you're kind of like, oh, I don't know, man. Like, I might be, I might need a little break yeah. from these. And then, yeah, there's such a jolt of energy. Which but, part of it is, yeah, the disco Bond, the Bond 77 Yeah, score. Bond 77, but Hamlish's score is very, very distinctive. And again, oh, still, yeah. still integrates what Barry set up for for the franchise, but, but Hamlish puts his own, definite his own spin on it. He, uh, he does, but like we said earlier, in Bond 77... I mean, my favorite part is when the guitar comes in. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Because, yeah, you're listening to this little disco song, and then all of a sudden, down, 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 and you're like, oh, there it is. There's the song we yeah. all know and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, but again, I think, like, when you talk about, like, you know, because that really was a refresh of the whole Bond franchise. You know, they had the... And it worked perfectly. Yeah. Saltzman in, uh, sued, and they couldn't get the, you know, Spectre rights again. So there was all this kind of, like refresh and i think that opening sequence with that score and then the carly simon song that comes right after it very much is kind of like okay this is this is a movie yep. you know and it really gets you pumped up for because i also think in the same way that live and let die didn't sound like other bond songs i don't i think nobody does it better is it's it inspires what they want to do throughout the rest of the more era in the mm-hmm. same way that like skyfall did for, right yeah because um the Craig era. Right. And Carly Simon is definitely an interesting choice um, for, for a Bond song. And she's a great artist in her own right. Um, but I think that, you know, it's just really just fits. And and Marvin's uh, Hamlet's score really fits that film. Um, and I would say the same thing for Bill Conti uh, in uh, For Your Eyes Only, which, is, which has become one of my favorite um, Bond scores. Because Bill Conti, um, you know, is most known for writing kind of the Rocky theme you know, and I think, yeah, and I think, again, these other composers that come in are not nobodies. No, they're not they're like huge. They're, they're definitely people, people they're and, and composers of their era for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think like what, what really works about Bill Conti's is because Conti, if you like, like the, the Rocky theme is a great example of Bill Conti's work because he definitely like uses instrumentation and, and scoring well, but his scores are almost songs in and of themselves. Um, yeah. So this, this is, I think a, a place where we'll differ. Because I don't love the score, and yeah. even though I love that movie, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see a cut. Obviously, it just doesn't exist. This right. is a fictional thing, but like a cut of that with a um, 
with a John Barry score. Right, yeah. And just see oh, what you're, it you're, is. you're talking about the Snyder cut. The Barry cut. The Barry cut. <laughs> the Barry cut. Barry <laughs> cut. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I, that would be one, I think, that is a little bit more of my hill to, to die on, I guess, is, is kind of... No, like, go for it, though. Um, but I, I do, like... Uh, I just I I'm very just into it's one of the Bond scores that I I bought on on vinyl and I just love like stuff like Runaway and Submarine and uh, a lot of the and the the Molina theme um I think like kind of the Greek influence of that theme is is very very good and this nice little revenge thing but I I'm just someone who like I just love the 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 beat of it if you know what I mean but I can under uh, uh, yeah I, I can it understand feels fun to dance to yeah like I, I would like dance to that one but yeah yeah I I I I'm very much like I like run away with that snow sequence I think it's just like kind of a for me it just you know really works um but again it's very different um even more different than Hamlish's or um of Martin's I think like I think of that original era Bond scores that 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 Free Your Eyes Only um, score is probably the most different of any of those other kind of uh, things. It might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably is. Yeah, um, just because Conti is really his own his own style. Because um, even like Hamlish, like still uses like the the horns very well. I think like Conti puts them in there. Because Live and Let Die, again, like we said, it just feels like a different movie almost. Like it, it barely feel, it feels like a Bond movie for a lot of it. Yeah. And like, so it's not as weird that that one, and that one still does have a lot of the normal Bond element. Like you said, it comes back and out with the golden gun. Um, Spy Who Loved Me though, and then definitely Free Eyes Only. I, I've done watches of Bond with people who haven't seen them before. They notice those scores instantly. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, this is different. This yeah. sounds very different." Well, just just in the in the themes too, like when the yeah. bon- when the songs start at the beginning, yeah, uh, just uh, instantly, um, kind of shifting into that romance theme, mm-hmm. uh, like sounding. Um, yeah, because it's really th- those yeah. three uh, movies then- in a row. Even when Barry comes back with the uh, octopus scene all time high, but you know. Uh, yeah, that that trilogy, uh, uh, that trilogy of nobody does it better. Um, Sheena Easton's for your eyes only, and then all time high right after that definitely gets into the. Wait, moment. wait, what about Moonraker? Oh, Moonraker, yeah, Moonraker definitely has that sound too. It's but, the same thing, yeah. But I think it's, it's like also I said, like they all want to do nobody does it better. Well, it's funny, well, because um, well, Moonraker is obviously before uh, or like right in the middle of that. But also, yeah. like I think, like it's definitely like Barry really integrating that well because he brings Shirley Bassey back. And I think that's yeah. really a more, you know, merging of kind of the classic Bond voice of, you know, uh, Bassie, who's done two previously with kind of that more romantic theme for sure. And then uh, fun little trivia. Nobody Does It Better was a song a band called Radiohead would play before they were big as a cover a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And they would later record a Bond song. Right. Didn't wind up getting did, used. Did but, not get yeah. used, yeah. But yeah, you can find those covers online. Mm-hmm. And if you like Radiohead, you'll probably like them. Um, one, one thing that I did notice kind of when you get into the later more era and then pretty much all the way up until, um, GoldenEye. So really like three, really only three films, but not even that. Like I, I would say like pretty much all the way up until Craig. So I'll take that back. Like uh, up until you get to Casino Royale, the films definitely do take on a distinctly of the time sound mm-hmm. that yes. I found, especially like in in the in the opening songs, because um, definitely with uh, "View to a Kill," definitely had that oh yeah that 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 era's sound right. in, in in its opening, and then 
both of the Dalton movies definitely feel of because those were both what like um late uh-huh, eight, late, late 80s, 80s yeah. yeah they both yeah. have like a late 80s it's entering 80, the 90s 80, sound 80s. i mean those two artists were on the top of the charts all the time right. those years. yeah i mean like i mean i gotta say like with view to a kill it's like it's duran duran you know it's like very well, much, yeah duran duran's like one of the bands of the 80s it's like their sound on like stuff like rio and hungry like a wolf it's like that was the 80s especially the later half of same the as aha uh-huh. yeah. yeah and aha uh-huh like gladys knight was the more like kind of adult contemporary yeah gladys knight was a little bit more traditional but even the way that's arranged with the like bum, 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 you know like that sort of thing kind of mixes in kind of that modern sound with kind of again the big bombastic elements but definitely like you know aha uh-huh and and view to a, and um, duran duran are definitely two like top of the charts like you know yeah people and that's definitely them taking like the thing of the times. It, it was so, yeah. it, it was just, but in a way that was distinctly more than any of the other. Yeah, like, it was the first time when we were listening to all the themes that that was the first time I was like, oh, that's modern for the. It's time. a big shift. Yeah, uh, the shift is with um, Duran Duran. In yeah. view to a kill. That that's like when it happens. I mm-hmm. think. I think so very distinctly. And then and then just and then it just avalanches all the way down to die another day which, exactly which exactly. is funny because it, it like literally goes from the acceptable use of modern day uh to, you've gone too far you've, you've really gone too far i remember very distinctly prior to the podcast or early on i forget exactly when but i you know because we use the on the bond 50 set there's the bonus feature on the bonus disc where you can just watch all the title sequences in a row so we kind of use oh, that. i'm gonna that, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's like we use that for our um, kind of our watching just because it was like it was available. And it is r- really funny when you listen to these all in order and you listen to them all in a row and then you get to die another day. It just sounds so out of place. And I and, and honestly, Kenny, I was with because I knew it was coming up. Yeah. And I was willing to even accept like, OK, it's not that bad, but it, mm-hmm. it does not seamlessly flow into that song whatsoever no because like no it, it i will it, okay so i mean spoilers i i would not be surprised if this is the case for everyone it's at the bottom of my list of bond songs yeah um it's it, it, it's it, got it, that it's the it's, only one that actually stands out as like not being right yeah it really is because I, I really do think it's like it's the only one that i truly have like a dislike for because even like the other it's ones one are... of like three for me but yeah can, be... I, can i tell you the the worst part about what makes it truly not great like i i'm i don't know if i would quite put it as the worst song ever but i will tell you this is what makes it terrible as like a, a bond song or it, it really just in general in, in presentation of the movie is that when the opening starts and by the way like it's a shame because i actually think that that opening Visually, that o- opening segment is—it's actually cool. Is is pretty cool yeah. and is actually interesting. Um, but it's saddled with this weird song. Uh, but it opens up in this like the like you know like the music slowly starts and then like the scorpion tails come up and there's like this this cool like this clapping sound and then you're like ooh what's this gonna be and then it just hits you in the face with like you're like and then you're you're just like you're just slapped in the face. You're like, whoa, where yeah. did this come from? <laughs> yeah. And especially, it, it, it's pretty and, bad. And then when it's paired up with this visual of Bond getting tortured. Yeah, it's, like, it's no good. There's, it's just so doesn't fit. Um, it's, but, it's so weird. It, it's actually, 
the the it's the bizarro version of Goldeneye because Goldeneye is kind of a cool slick song and it opens yeah. up in a very similar way where it goes like boom 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 like you're like ooh this is cool and fancy and they're like, talking about like the fall of the Soviet Union yeah and, and then so you in on a lot yeah you're 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 getting into it and then it like continues to be a cool song Die Another Day like starts off that way and then just veers off course yeah just immediately well especially because it's yeah. like it's very interesting too like i the, really the whole brazen era those four songs are a very interesting pairing like in terms of like the opening songs because you have that first one goldeneye which is tina turner with a song written by bono and the edge so it's kind of like yes. you know there's that and then you have tomorrow never dies which was like you know cheryl crow being pushed in by you know mgm because they needed a big star to the point where but there's that, another song too. That, that's but, another yeah. one where David Arnold integrates the you know the the end song as opposed because that was the original song that he wrote uh, for the film. And then you have again you have the world is not enough, which is you know its whole little thing and a very interesting choice as well. Um, you know, very different type of band than Bond really ever used. And then you get to Die Another Day, which is this whole monstrosity of itself. So that kind of collection is is very fascinating. But that's strange, and then that leads into what I was talking about earlier, the strangeness of the first couple, Craig's. Um, the first couple Craigs feeling like they're using kind of outdated artists. Well, I, I think, here's the thing, and I think it speaks to the Craig movies a little bit, and I don't think in a debilitating way. I, I think this is really more of a nitpick, but I do think it, it, it speaks to a lack of a real significant identity. Uh, I I, I yeah. think I, I don't think because I think that you're right. I think that there is an energy and identity that the songs kind of elicit in previous Bond films. And and honestly for better and for worse, like I, I would think Die Another Day kind of encap tries to encapsulate like, the, the style yeah. of the film. But like then when you get into like it's interesting that you know my name does not feel like it. I, I like the song a lot too, but it doesn't feel like it's for Casino Royale. No, especially a, a movie that is often cited and considered to be like the dark, real right. reboot of Bond. It just has like a, a like grunge rock star, right, and, as its singer, which. And then, Grunge like, by 2006 had been out of style for over a decade. And then, and then going all the way into like Skyfall, which is a song I like. Like it's cool and you like it, but I I don't know. Like that movie's not a sad movie. Like it, it's actually a, no. it propulsively trying to be a I, fun I movie. Yeah. The, the more you're talking, the more I don't think any of the Craig ones fit. Uh, I I what think the they, movie I, is. I, I I honestly think Spectre kind of tries to get a little bit because it, it but again it, that's it's... not the original song the well i mean th there was the radiohead one what for specter yeah yeah radiohead did a song that actually was called specter oh is this a thing i don't know about this yeah yeah this was uh this the, the original song was radiohead made a song called specter and they wanted to go with like i mean sam smith is a more pop person than right. radiohead right yeah, I, I didn't. I, this was this was news to me. Is this like a song there, you can there's an edit, listen to? There's an edit someone made of the title sequence with the radio. Yeah, they, they ended up like putting it online. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you should check it out. I mean, I, I am a big Radiohead fan, uh, so I obviously like it. Yeah, and then I mean, no I time to obviously we haven't seen no time to die, but there is a sense that we get that it's like being like it's, oh, it, it's like the end of the bond of this bond maybe. So maybe there is like this this thing but I, I do think it's mostly that it's like you know all these artists trying to do 
Like they've just kind of settled into this. They've actually dark gritty rebooted the Bond song in in, in yeah. some ways with with starting I mean, with the Adele. We've talked I, I know, honestly, yes. We've we've definitely talked about on this podcast just like what you know whatever whenever Bond twenty six happens, um you know whenever the next movie after No Time to Die when we get a new Bond or whatever it is, I I really hope that they kind of come out swinging with that one. Um, I I do too because I I really really feel and obviously we haven't seen no time to die so it's kind of hard to really judge now but how, doesn't it feel I, like we almost have like what do you mean in the sense that we know what we're getting from the craig movies now like i yeah i, I would i would love to be surprised i'd love to be wrong I, but i feel like we know what this movie will be here here's the thing like it, well if it exists in which it doesn't well like going forward like do you do, would you like because i remember like one of the other things i was thinking about with uh like who i would want to see do like a bond song and and billy eilish was definitely somebody i was interested yeah, in yeah billy eilish is a great choice yeah billy eilish i was interested in but the the other my my i think my number one choice is actually janelle monet and that'd be good and I, and i was wondering like would i just actually like to hear not like a janelle monet doing a bond song but would i just actually love to hear a janelle monet like Hip hip hopish song as like a Bond. Well, okay, this is what. Well, yeah, why don't we talk about this? Do you think there'll be a hip hop James Bond song? Um, I kind of can't see. But, it. but again, I, here, but... here here's what I think about like because Janelle Monae fits in that like new age hip hop song where yes. it's not. The thing is like that because it, it it it's kind of it has like an electronic. Uh, modern sound to it that's you not call it pop, yeah. right? It, and it, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like hip hop pop. Like it's not like right. it's not a yeah. rap song. You know what I mean? Um, yes. You know they. I, I don't think that they will. That's the thing. It, it's kind of like that one thing where they'll probably keep one foot in the one toe in the water and the rest out because it's like they'll probably get somebody like Janelle Monae to do that. But they would, yeah. you'll never hear like a rap song. Like, in, like, hear- I don't think you will ever hear rap in a bond. I mean, I, I could be totally wrong. Yeah. But- well, I, what I think is like, I mean, just we were just talking about it. I do think that the next Bond song needs to be like a "Live and Let Die" shot in the arm. Yes, it needs to be totally different because, like, "Live and Let Die" is very much like that is Paul McCartney doing a song. That's a that Paul McCartney. Song. That's a Paul McCartney <laughs> yeah. song. And like, the thing is, is like if. If that movie didn't exist and Paul McCartney put that on one of his albums, it, it would have been a hit. It would have, it would not have been out of place. Like it's a very much like Paul no. McCartney in that era. So it, I, like, it would that be nice. Be on band on, band on the run. It would be nice to have something you can dance to. Yeah, it would be nice to have a song yeah. that you can actually well, you, dance. Hey, you, can, you can slow dance. Well, like party dance, right? Like you, you need like one a, that Jennifer Lawrence can go crazy in a in, in a film <laughs> yeah. in a film too. Yeah, no, I think like you need. I I just feel like again, I think the whole Bond franchise needs a shot in the arm. I I do think they need to kind of go not like like totally like be Marvel, but kind of give it that Marvel kind of energy a little bit. I think that would be a good thing, and I think. Like, oh, I mean, would, we we've talked several times that they need to Ragnarok the yeah. the, the franchise. And I think that, they need to. Well, they need to have fun again. Yeah, have some. 
damn fun with James Bond. And I think like, but having like a view to a kill or a live in the dice type of song in there, just something a little bit more high energy, mm-hmm. I think would, yeah. would definitely be like favorable. We, we we talked a little bit about the songs, but do you guys have any opinions on the modern state of the of the score and the music? To, to me, so Goldeneye is a very unique one. Yeah, Eric, um, and it makes me think of the video game, which like, also has that score. Like Sir, Eric Sierra's score, it's very much as interesting because I do feel like Eric Sierra's very drum based score, like the the opening, the first track, like the cold open, is so distinctive with the bongs and the you know the drum version of the. Bomb it sounds thing. weird. It's very it's different. Like it's not in a cool way. And then so that. I th- it's really funny because that was not well reviewed at the time, and so much so that again they kind of just put the regular Bond theme in there because they were afraid that people were going to be missing it. But, I can see why it wasn't well reviewed. I do, but and, and it, I, it might just be because of my age and like, but I was the perfect age for like when the video games came out. Yeah, and so I'll always think of I'll always have good memories thinking of that very specific very, style. Very much so. I think that like our generation of Bond fan, I think, has come around to that score a little bit, um, just as for its uniqueness. Because then David Arnold comes in for the next. So basically, David Arnold does Tomorrow Never Dies through um, Quantum Solace. And the thing about mm-hmm. and I think about Arnold um, as a composer because he's very much they're all to me they're they're all fine but forgettable. Yeah, the thing is like because because Arnold very famously like he was doing this um, this outside project called Shake and Not Stirred, which is basically a bunch of covers of the Bond songs. Barry heard it and then recommended in the Broccoli, and so that's where David Arnold got the score. Arnold is very much like very much his scores all feel very similar. Um, And especially like the later Brosnan films, he does this really weird mix of like traditional bond kind of like, you know, motifs. Uh, He definitely like has like that bond nerd. on like, he brings back the 007 Mm -hmm. theme um, and he definitely wants to kind of be Barry, but then he'll also have like kind of the more techno y like, you know, beats like, you know, especially like, um, the car sequence in Tomorrow Never Dies comes to mind, yep. and then the ice. Well, and then and then once it's the Craig ones, it's more of that kind of what I think of as like the current action style of very drum heavy, like yeah, very much takes an inspiration from like like where Bourne was going with the scores yep. and stuff yep. like that's that. Exactly what I was um, and then he, you know he still tries to put in like those the classic Bond theme, like his you know his recording of the Bond theme for Casino Royale. You know, is is you know usually the one they use nowadays, and and it's a very good version of that theme. Um, you know, very respectful to it. But I yeah. Do, but I do think, and then once you get to Thomas Newman, um, I like Thomas Newman, but I like it fine. Again, it's the same sort of thing where yeah, it's you know Skyfall kind of takes that lower key version, partially based on the song. Um, but it really, I mean, it kind of has a it has a little bit more of like that Thomas Newman. Newman Thomas Newman sound. It's better than having a Randy Newman sound. Uh, hot take. No, that. actually, that'd be kind of cool. Randy Newman doing the Bond score. I mean, his name's James Bond. But I'm also, I'm also <laughs> shaking that stir. I think like Newman doing a Bond song would be interesting. But I'm also someone. A song, who, yeah. I, I think Randy Newman's songs are a lot better than his scores, personally speaking. Oh yeah. So Uh-oh. Randy Newman does the next Bond song. I, I mean. I love L.A. <laughs> That's a Randy Newman song. Um, um, but, but I do feel like, you know, I think, like, definitely Arnold and Newman have their moments. Um, but I don't think yeah. any of them, like, really, like, stand out as, like, a full score no. I would listen to. I think I would take, like, bits and pieces of their stuff. 
I, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of of the opinion where I think score-wise, everything has just been kind of serviceable, yeah. uh, especially yeah. in, in the modern day. The one thing I will say, and this is kind of like bringing it a uh, complete circle back to the theme, is that the most effective piece of score was... Um, because I actually don't... In Casino Royale, how much is like the score... Like the theme, I think, is in like one of the things like it's not used until the final scene of the movie. Yeah, it's, you're it's, right. It's I'm like slightly sure right. hinted at at points. Like like it's kind of like when he does like Bond stuff, it's like not in there, but you can kind of... The, the only, it. It's hinted at in what I was mentioning earlier, the little rise up the frets or off the keyboard. The da, na, na. Like you get a little bit of that. Wait, yeah. at, at, what part, at, at what point it. in the movie is that? I just like throughout, like when various he, points where it does that. It has oh, that that kind part of rising. But up, I, like I basically like like whenever he's like close to being Bond or like when he has like those moments. But there's never the big bombastic until the you know the movie at the end. Well, it, it, it's funny end, because yeah. going back to when I was initially not even getting into Bond, like I wasn't that familiar with Bond. Like I had really only seen um, uh, Die Another Day, and then finally this one, and I saw it. Um, not in theaters, but I saw it on video, and I remember distinctly remembering that cue starting at the at at the end when he uh you know he 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 shoots Mister Mister White Mister White, and you know he's on the ground, and then you hear the and then and it was you know for as serviceable as the scores have been like to this day, I do think like that was actually a, a very fantastic use of score in, in that yes. moment. Yeah. That moment so, really yeah, works effectively because like, especially it really like, does, it, it really hasn't been used, um, which is kind of like, you know, one of those things. Um, uh, so do we want to get into our best and worst? Yeah. 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 So like, I kind of think, well, I think okay, we well, can well, wrap it, wrap it up. I with do that. want to point out favorite, like uh, villain song in, Diamonds are forever. Mr. Wink and Mr. Kid have a theme. Just listen to it if you don't remember it. I it actually, is, it, I vaguely, I kind of remember it. I describe think you guys what, talked d- about d- it. Describe what it is. Is it like? So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I distinctly remember like those characters having their own tone and feeling to them. It's so like a little silly, but in a in a fun way. No, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm vaguely remembering it. Yeah, the, the those guys. Um. So yeah. Uh, so what 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 were you guys you you, you were gonna say like some of what what your top your tops were or yeah. Or, well, so I I've ranked every song. I didn't know if you want to do like bottom five. Start start five. start. I, I want to like start with your bottom five and then we'll end up on the positive note. Yeah. Okay. I, you want I me wanna... to go down or up? Well, I'll go up because I've already mentioned "Die Another Day" is my least favorite. Okay. We've we've said enough about that one. Uh, second to bottom to me is "License to Kill." I just think it's boring. And mm-hmm. I, I almost never remember anything about it. And it's super long, too. Mm-hmm. It's like six minutes long, almost. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Third from bottom, uh, Man with the Golden Gun. It's kind of derivative. Mm-hmm. Uh, way better ones. Um, All Time High. That was my fourth one up. Oh, so, so those bottom three are the only ones I don't like. And maybe only the bottom two. Man with the Golden Gun is fine. Yeah. It, those bottom two are the only ones I, I do not like. Um, Man with the Golden Gun. These other ones are fine. Um, Man with the Golden Gun, and then then I have All Time High again. I think it's just kind of boring. Um, they don't, and they're cowards. They didn't say Octopussy. So. I think about that all the time. Like you finally get to Octopussy, right. and, and they here's, don't say. Here's it. the thing: this is also yeah. Tim Rice writing the lyrics. So this is the guy who like did the lyrics for like The Lion King 
and exactly. you know all these and, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber films. Like, if there was anybody to rhyme octopusy, it's like he could him. Do it. Yeah. Like it's him or Lin Manuel Miranda, and Lin Manuel Miranda <laughs> wasn't born yet, <laughs> or maybe he was a child. I don't know. Oh, dude, Lin Manuel doing a good. Bond song. He'd be a good one. Yeah. Uh, like now, that'd be a shot in the arm. Now that you know what, that may be the closest you can get to rap in in a song because I feel like you're Lin right. Lin Manuel will do that thing where it's like a classy like orchestral type like bond type song and then like maybe a little bit of the chorus will have some hip-hop in and, it yeah and he's i mean no matter what you think of like his personality as a person you, you can't deny it, he's a great songwriter yeah. he, he's a fantastic oh, yeah. oh like even like like with, with him and moana like integrating oh, uh, yeah, that stuff I, into moana mm. like with a traditional disney feeling yeah. but also lin-manuel Miranda, if we were actually going to do like a bond musical like just his creativity on like how to integrate stuff would be great but but yeah no i i get you yeah they should have yeah. used dr pussy and then top of my bottom five is again my favorite Bond score, and actually I rewatched it last night. It's my favorite Bond movie. We have all the time in the world. I don't think it's that good of a song. Yeah, it's very much like very traditional Louis Armstrong. And, yeah. and again, it's it's the other Bond movie that that song is not in the opening title. The opening title is the awesome synth. Da, 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 da. It, yeah, it's awesome, but yeah, yeah. Um, for me. Uh, bottom five. So worst, I agree. Die another day. Just can't. Yeah, it, it's hard to argue, yeah. honestly. Yeah. yeah, it's the only one again that really. Because again, I, the only ones I actually actually don't like are that and License to Kill. But License to Kill, I still get. It still sounds kind of like a Bond yeah, song. It's super uh, boring. So yeah. So basically, Die another day does not sound like a Bond song. Yeah. Um, Die another day is definitely the worst. And I just think, like, again, it's just so when you hear it. In terms of it's all the jarring. rest of them, it's just so it's jarring. jarring. And like, I remember again when I did that first thing, like when it came on, I just laughed because it was so. Odd. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's I, again, I, I tried to seamlessly get into it, but it's like it, it's it, it doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, then second, I mean, I'm very similar to you in that sense. Where um, uh, man with the golden gun, Lulu's song, yeah. very much just like just nothing really interesting about it. Yeah. Uh, and then All Time High is right after that. Same, okay. For the same yeah. reason, just doesn't really do anything with it. Um, after that, it's kind of hard because this is where it kind of gets into... Because I'm a little bit more... Um, I, I give a little more credit to License to Kill um, than you do. I do think that it's the song that I kind of enjoy. But I also think that the, there are other sounds on that soundtrack that I think are, are more distinct, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I was strictly going by... Title song. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Title songs are like main songs from the movie. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think this may be a little bit of a, a hotter take, but I I put um the Cheryl Crow tomorrow never dies down there. Um, I just Nick, we are opposite. Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that later. But, yeah. Okay. Um, and then I mean it's kind of hard because I kind of you know what I'm actually I'm gonna change it up. I, I actually kind of agree with you. We have all the time in the world. Um, I think is yeah. kind of down there too. Um, it also doesn't feel like a Bond song, but it is. It's good enough. It good. It's good enough for the moment of Tracy's yeah. death. But it yes. also, I mean, it's very distinctly like. I think there are, you know, I think like the score and even we we kind of talked about this off off mic, but uh, you know, the Christmas trees song is very much there, more. The, it, the score has so many better songs. Yeah. 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 But I just think like listening to today, and maybe I'm a little harsh on the Cheryl Crow thing. Um, but like it just like it was just one where it's just like I don't know, just didn't really feel it this time. Will you have any other okay. thoughts on like ones you don't like? No, I mean, again, like they kind of just range from like samey 
to right. well, die yeah, another day. This is, like, th- those are really, here's like... Here's the thing, like... This I, is, I mean, most of the ones that I'm playing as are ones that are samey and don't really do anything. Right. My thing is, like, this is very similar to me to, like, my Disney animation list in the sense that, like, it has, like, its top top and it has its bottom. Like, those bottom two of, like, for me, of, like, Die Another Day and Man with the Golden Gun are going to be the bottom two. But, like, really, like, there's that middling ground where it's, like, the rest of them are just, like, even the Sheryl Crow and I don't, like, dislike, you know? It's just, like, I'd rather listen to other songs more, you know? Just, like, I don't dislike Robin Hood. It's just that there are elements of it that, you know, I like other films more than it. So it's very much, like, that's kind of the hard part where it's, like, I think, like, I could watch that, you know, and rank them, like, you know, maybe, like, every six months and I would have kind of a different feeling on some of those middle ones, if you know what I mean. Because it's like it's like they're yeah. not bad. It's just like they can kind of move around. Yeah, but speaking of ones that can move around, do we want to get into our top five? Top fives. I'm I'm ready. To, I'm go down to top top fives. Uh, do you want to start? Okay. Do you want to start again, Ken? Well, uh, so why don't I start with my ones that are just outside? First? Okay, like, kind of like which, which we'll get into honorable mentions. Um, your, your honorable mentions. Yeah. My I'm gonna I'm gonna I won't again. I could talk about every single one of these songs. So I'm not, we don't we're already pushing two hours. I don't want to go crazy, but. Like, I'll just mention my two that are right outside. Skyfall's right outside. Mm-hmm. That, that is my mm-hmm. number six. Again, I don't think anything is ever going to crack my top five. Right. They're, they're, they're unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Skyfall, uh, Nick, you've talked about this a lot. That that song, even before the movie came out, that song reignited my love affair. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's one of the many elements of Skyfall that, like, really just kind of, like really like yeah made me realize because it was like the 50th and it was just so perfect for that There's time everything. and it's, it's also it's also the have picked a better artist to do it mm-hmm. and a better song and yeah. a better artist at the time that she did it you know like yeah and then you know she tells the story about how she was like pregnant so that's why her voice is so deep you know and that's mm-hmm. like she got that sound so it's like literally like perfect timing on everything there and then it won an oscar and yeah. uh and uh and you know it's the only thing that holds up about the movie so yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not there yet on my rewatch. I'm, I'm, I'll get there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You might, I might not disagree. I, I, I just haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Um, and then my other honorable mention, Nick, is "Tomorrow Never Dies" by Sheryl Crow. I, mean, I love enough. that song. Fair enough. I mean, like, listen, like we, like this is why it's fun talking about opinions because people, just yeah, yeah, have very. Um, I'm sure, like, what's actually in my top five, some of them will be kind of surprising, um, but we'll see. Okay, my mine, I doubt any will be surprising, but maybe the order. Yeah. Um, and, but Tomorrow Never Dies, this might just be me. It, it's like one of the sexiest songs. I love her lyrics and the way she sings it. Mm-hmm. And and then like the way the strings come in too. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like I've always thought that. And like, this might just be tied into like, as a kid, this was like er, an early PG-13 I was allowed to see. Like yeah. one of the first. Right. And like, and then, so I'm hearing this song after... Like I'm hearing this song and that music, and it's the whole you know the um, it, it's no fun. Martinis, girls, and guns. It's murder on our love affair. You bet your life every night while you're chasing the morning light. You're not the only spy out there. And she's she has like a like crackly voice. Like she's been like smoking kind of. And it's mm-hmm. like a little seven year old me is imagining. I, yes, I am a spy meeting Cheryl Crow in a nightclub. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's all very fair, Kenny. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, that's that's probably my hottest thing. I, I I love guys and the world is not enough. I think both are very good. Yeah, I, I actually do songs. think that the 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 garbage song is not garbage. I think it is kind of an underrated. <laughs> I, think yeah. I think it's an underrated piece for sure. 
Uh, so um, what, what, what are and your then the, the other, I guess, other honorable mentions, uh, like I said earlier, on Magic Secret Service, like the song, mm-hmm. that's the main title song, is an instrumental, but it's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Song. And uh, the non-canonical Casino Royale theme is incredible. Oh, the, I, I was going to mention this right at the end. Yeah, that. Okay, the, yeah. The, the Burke Bacharach Casino Royale theme, it's like that. We we, we actually, you watched it with us. Um, yeah. Uh, and that score is incredible. It really it is. It is the best part of that movie. That, that's like the most memorable part of that movie. But yeah, what's, so let's get into your top five, Kenny. All right, number five for me, You Only Live Twice. Okay. Do you want to do yours? What's your number five? Uh, you just go through, just go through, go through yours. yours. I want to okay, okay. hear the flow of this, yeah. All right, You Only Live Twice at number five. Yeah. Again, the string part, like, it, it works with that movie mm-hmm. and that score incredibly well. Four, Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Um. Like I said, I like that whole score. It's a, a little like sillier, kind of. It has like kind of like these little weird motifs in it, but I, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And then also, it, that song has been sampled by Kanye. Yes. So, That's yeah. <laughs> um, number three, Goldfinger. I mean, like, these last ones, like, come on. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, it's obvious why they're there. Like, number three is Goldfinger. Number two, Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. And at number one, nobody does it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got right. I've a match up a little bit with you, Kenny. Okay. Um, that's not too surprising. Again, these are the songs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I don't disagree that Skyfall is like right outside. Um, I didn't, I just did my top five. I didn't really kind of go, but I would put Skyfall right outside um, mm-hmm. uh, of the top five. Uh, I would also put uh, Thunderball right outside of there. Um, that's very close to me too. Uh, Thunderball yeah. is really just right. Thunderball is super fun. Like it's, listening to oh, them. Yeah. Tom Jones is really great. He in that sings song. it like it is a real word. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what it I means. agree. That's it, <laughs> it. It is awesome. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the two that kind of what I was thinking about. Um, so my number five, and I, I don't know where this lands, um, you know, with, with other lists, I definitely think this is kind of one I, I appreciate more. Okay. Um, for your eyes only. I really like the Sheena Easton song. I interesting. I like that was one of the, like I kind of went to it where it's like the songs I started singing along to. Um, yeah. Like when we were doing this rewatch of all the songs. Um, so that's number five, and then number four again another personal favorite of mine, The Living Daylights. I I mean I'm a big that's a good one. I'm a big that aha. one's very high on my list yeah. too. I'm a big aha like guy. I love their sound, and I just love just that song. Um, and Nick, I, love... I, I was reading a list. I was reading other people's list before this. Some people hate that song. Yeah, it's very much. I think that's polarizing, but I also I do. Think, I love it. I do think that it's also just really the the Dalton era. I just feel like is not. You know, I feel like needs more appreciation from the bottom. The Dalton era is polarizing. Yeah, it's I think it's the bottom of a lot of lists, and it's it's great. It's, it's weird it's, to me. You know, Yomi, I love it. Yeah, um, I do too. Number number three. I mean, live and let die. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Of course, a yeah. Song. Again, once you're in top three, I, like, it's like once yeah. you get to top three, because it's like live and let die. Number three, number two, Goldfinger. Um, okay, just yeah. perfect. And then number one. Same as you, Kenny. Nobody does it better. Uh, okay, so we have the same top three. We have basically the same top order. three, just slightly yeah. in order. But like, nobody does it better. I just think is like, it's just, it's just a perfect song for that movie. It's a perfect song. It's so, so. I mean, Carly Simon nails it. It just matches the movie, and it's just so. And it does have the title. It does have it. the title in it, even though it's not. It's not the title. It's not of the title the of the song, but yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it, it, my, mine, it's going to kind of be in like no particular order. So it's going to kind of be a nebulous uh, top five. I do kind of want to m- come up with one really big honorable mention on my part that I think will be the most unique perspective uh, of the show thus far. Uh, the big honorable mention for me is actually the newest one. Uh, the um, I like uh, it a lot. Uh, I, no, yeah. uh, no Time to Die by Billie yeah, Eilish. Uh, the reason I say that is because one honorable mention. The reason I really put it there is because it is so recent. Um, so I, I kind of want to give it a little bit of more room to breathe. Yeah. But I actually think it, it, it is the first song in a while for the Bond songs that truly speak to my own musical sensibilities. It's very orchestral. It, 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 it feels like a movie theme in the way that not a lot of other Bond songs feel like a movie theme. Um, and it just has like a very big operatic. Yes, I agree that it's kind of following a little bit too much. It, like in comparison to all the other Bond songs, it, but as a piece of music, like I remember the day that it premiered, I was going on a ride um, after work and, you know, the sun was going down and I just blasted it in my car. And just the orchestral nature of it, I I think makes it really, makes it really stand out. And I, it's unfortunate because I I think, just let me finish this point. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I think because it's still in the same vein as the last two songs that I think it's going to unfortunately get like, kind of like pushed under the rug a little bit. But as an actual piece of composition i i i was fairly i was very impressed with it and i and i and so that's why it kind of sticks out as a big honorable mention for me i actually agree i think like it is one of those things where literally like as much as like the the years have passed over the past two months like it is like kind of two (laughs) months two months old essentially so once you kind of see it in the film and once we kind of get it like a little bit more kind of... And, and, and let's give credit where credit's due. When Eilish gets to that last Just No Time to Die, like that big, her, big crescendo, her it, she nails great. it. I do think I agree with you. The orchestration definitely kind of gives it a little bit more of an oomph that I think... Um, yes. No. You know, especially okay. that the, um, the um, Spectre song did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, now... Will, as soon as this ends, I'm, cause I'm, you mentioning the orchestral nature and operatic nature... I, I'm sending you the Spectre song that Radiohead did after this because okay. that is what that is too. Uh, it, you've it, heard it, right, Nick? It, yeah. it just it, it really just feels like we're taking movie score and doing something like for the big screen in a way that like because it, it it does feel like most of the other Bond songs are like you know maybe these individuals doing their singles or they like are picking right. a song to do. This one was the first time in a while I felt like oh they're making a movie theme. Yeah. Um, I think it'll I think it'll age very well. So uh, in, ter- so in terms of top five, again, I in no particular order. Uh, I mean, I, I put Goldfinger and Diamonds Are Forever up there. I, yeah. I, I think those really work. Um, I actually agree with Nick. Uh, for for your eyes only. Um, just kind of because it like it's a little bit off the beaten path. Like it, it's it's a little bit of a different. I think it's a romantic sounding theme that works a l- little bit, and it's a very unique sound. Um, for me, I, so I, I do, I do like that one. Um, Skyfall is up there. I, I, I do like Skyfall, um, quite a bit. Um, I actually think in, in general, like, I don't have too much of an issue with any of the Craig ones. Um, I know that the Sam Smith one gets a lot of crap, but I mean, it's, it's serviceable, but it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the other ones, the other ones I liked, uh, quite a bit. Um, the, t- the, the Thunderball, Thunderball is like really fun. 
That's a fun one. Just oh, like yeah. by the time oh, he yeah. he says Thunderball, yeah. like it, at it, the it, end, yeah. yeah. yeah well, he almost you know, uh, the story goes that he almost passed out, like yeah. he, which I, is parodied by Weird Al and Spy Hard. Yeah, if you haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, video. But um, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned five, but like those kind of are yeah, the ones. You mentioned that, five. Yeah. You said. Uh, you said oh oh no 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 and, you mentioned and, more you know in, in the so I would actually say it'd be Goldeneye Diamonds Are Forever um, Goldeneye or Goldfinger sorry uh well Goldfinger Diamonds Are Forever for your eyes only and I actually like Goldeneye yeah. quite a bit like yeah. I, I I love how slick and smooth it, it, it sounds so mm-hmm. um so yeah so those those would be in no particular order right. like uh, okay. my top five yeah well so then. Uh, I, I want to hear, because obviously the, the departure, what are your thoughts on the two uh, Live and Let Die and Nobody Does It Better? Good. Okay. You're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, no, Live and Let Die is good. It, the, the the most interesting thing, I didn't get to say this when you were talking about it, Live and Let Die is the one, for some reason, feels the most like this was a song. Like it, 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 it oh, I mean, feel, yeah, that's what we were saying. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. like, it, it just feels like, and again, it's I know Paul McCartney. Yes, <laughs> and I know it's because it's like this is just the outside history of it. It just feels like most Bond songs feel like this was the Bond song, but this "Live and Let Die" feels like the only one where it's a song that has a life outside of. Like actually, Skyfall kind of ends up in, in that kind of area too. But um, that one, and what was the other one? Um, Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. Love me. Um, is good. I mean, it's not a bad song. I, I like it. I think that. Um, for your eyes only kind of takes it to that next level that meets my sensibilities a little bit better. Um, so that's what I would say about that. I mean, that's fair. All right. Uh, uh, I do want to mention Kenny, just one last thing before you go. I don't, I, I mean, we've talked about how much we love this score, but I really do got to say that like the, the living daylight score is so much fun. And I, 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 I sent I a wanna... text earlier today that uh, so I was re-listening to a lot of these pieces. Will, or sorry, Nick put together a little playlist of like uh, songs from each of the films. And the, the Living Daylights one was the one where I most was like, I'm going to listen to this whole album. Yeah, sorry, I got to put the other ones on hold. I got to listen to this whole album. And I, I do want to say that uh, of all the alternate Bond songs, like the non-Bane Bond songs, um, The Pretenders... It has the best one. Uh, yeah. yeah, the um, Where Is Everybody Gone, the Necrosis theme for the movie is the best and it's like one of the best yeah. it's really like if it were the main theme it would definitely be like at the top of mine um so i just wanted to mention that because that we we didn't really praise it too much but that's really one of my favorite living daylights uh, like i'm fully with nick on the timothy dalton train and the, the license to kill like i said that song does nothing for me everything about living daylights does yeah. it a lot for me yeah so well, Kenny, thank you so much for uh, joining in on this uh, deep dive into Bond. Yeah, thanks for uh, having music. me on. It was this, w- this was a blast. Yeah, this yeah. Th- th- this was great. Um, is, is there is there anything that you wish to point uh, in the direction to? Anything you want to plug before before we uh, before we leave you? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, if you are if you are a USC football fan, I am a co-host on a USC football podcast called Traveler Hates Thursdays. Um, obviously right now sports are on hold, so who knows, <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're still putting out episodes. So, um, if, just, just do, just do what like we did. Come, Godzilla just... and USC, <laughs> uh, go for it. Yeah. I say, just do what we do. Come up with like a hypothetical un, yep. <laughs> uh, like unplayed game and then just like talk yeah, about yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, cool. Um, and then, uh, in turn, in, in terms of us, uh, well, we, we don't do plugs on the, on the deep dives. You guys know where, where, where to find us. Yeah. Um, but we hope everybody enjoyed 
this episode. If you haven't um, listened, uh, last week we took a look at uh, Kingsman, uh, the Secret Service, mm-hmm. uh, for um, for Bond, and um, still trying to um, get uh, some some things in order for our next Godzilla episode. So don't want to don't want to announce that quite yet. Um, but one thing uh, to look forward to is that I, I have decided this. I think next month because it has been requested uh, many times and it is long overdue. Uh, next month we are diving into the Netflix Godzilla anime uh, series. So yeah, I, I think nice. it, I think it's finally time that we uh, give our thoughts on that. So it may be a little bit different in terms of how we actually go about that. But for all of all of uh, our listeners who have waited patiently, um, very patiently, because I, I think it is long overdue. Yeah, it is one of our most requested episodes. Yeah, uh, sure. so uh, take a look. Uh, so look out for that uh, next month, and then uh, we will have another Godzilla treat uh, later this month. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Kenny, thank you so much for uh, joining in. Yeah, thank you. And um, until next time, uh, I'm Will. I'm Nick. And uh, take care, everybody.